The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room. Guys, the Spotify Green Room is a live, audio-only sports talk platform. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. Get in on the conversation that you listen to here every single day and have a chance to be featured on your favorite podcast like this one. Download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS App Store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join my group. Follow me at Larry D-E-E. It's, uh, I don't know why they didn't let me use D period, but they didn't. So follow me at Larry D-E-E to be notified when my room goes live every Wednesday, 7 o'clock Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, and join me when we go live every Wednesday night at Club 34-7. What's up, guys? Back once again. It's week number 18, and, um, well, for the first time in a very long time, Week 18 is not the first week of the playoffs. It is, in fact, the final game of the regular season, thanks to the extra week the NFL decided to throw into this year's uh, schedule. Uh, And because it's the last game of the season, that means we're headed off to Minneapolis to take on the Vikings in Minnesota. Because who doesn't want to travel to Minnesota in freaking January? I mean, come on. Just, you know, all the sights and sounds of frigid temperatures in Minneapolis uh, isn't that fantastic so you know just for everyone who's going and for the beat writers that have to go uh, I know that you'll enjoy it it's it's a great time to be up there in uh, at a place that's colder than a well digger's asshole on uh, in Siberia in in December anyway to be there in in January and uh, uh, you know in this in this type of weather in this type of year uh, enjoy that so um we're our, our, our guest this week uh as usual when it comes to the vikings chris gates from sp nation's uh daily norseman um we talked about um truthfully we didn't talk much about the game because why would you <laughs> there's there's no stakes involved in the game i did do my research as to whether or not the bears would be in second place if we were to win uh on sunday and uh, turns out, spoiler alert, no, we wouldn't. Uh, apparently, there is some tiebreaker in there somewhere that the Vikings have a lock on that uh, would ensure that um, uh, if they do, in fact, finish with, you know, if we win and we're both 7-10, and 10, we'd both be 3-3 three and three in the division, we'd both be 5-7 and seven in conference, that uh, something, somewhere along the lines within our common opponents, we... Uh, don't have the advantage uh, with the Vikings. So that means we could have our cake and eat it too uh, by finishing, by winning the game and still finishing in third place, thus getting the, um, well, through the 2021 lens anyway, the lighter schedule uh, with the third place opponents uh, in our 2022 schedule. Because we got the NFC East and the AFC East next year, along with uh, if we finish in third, uh, San Francisco, Atlanta, and the Houston Texans. Uh, as our same place opponents 
next year. So San Francisco, definitely not an easy out, but uh, I definitely like our chances against Atlanta and Houston better than I would against New Orleans or Indianapolis, which would be who would who we'd be if we ended up in second. So I'll take that draw. But, um, you know, we spent a lot of time talking more about the future. Uh, the Vikings are in a similar boat to us uh, where they expect Mike Zimmer to be let go on Monday after the game uh, as well. And will they do as the Bears are doing and let the coach go and keep the GM? Um, you know, would he like to see if both go and start fresh? Or is he happy with Rick Spielman and what he's been doing with the team in his time as uh, general manager? Because the rumors are saying here in Chicago that, uh, you know, Nagy's definitely all but packed up his office because he's done uh, on Sunday. But uh, Ryan Pace uh, don't have any cardboard boxes lined up in his office ready to pack him away uh, anytime soon. Or at least that's what the rumors would have you uh, believe. So, uh, But we, t- we do cover a lot. We talk about this wacky Bears-Vikings rivalry. We talk about the game from Monday night. A few weeks ago where, where I tell Chris, is like, you know, the Vikings beat us. Or the Vikings won, I should say. The Vikings won, but I don't feel like they beat us. And uh, we, we talk about that game and, and how weird it was. And it just kind of feeds into this narrative that Chris and I have been talking about uh, for all the time that I've had him on the show. Whereas, like, when the Bears and the Vikings get together, uh, you know, throw out the, the records and all that kind of stuff. And uh, throw out your preconceived notions of how you think the game is going to go because it often doesn't go that way. And then stay tuned for the end where I make a pitch to Chris about uh, something that we can do together uh, during the offseason. So uh, give that a listen or go ahead and enjoy that. And uh, let's go ahead and get started. This is the Week 18 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Well, our beloved Chicago Bears are headed off to Minneapolis this weekend, which means it's the last week of the NFL season and we are playing the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, what else could it mean? I mean, it it absolutely has to signal the end of the regular season. Otherwise, why the hell are we going to uh, Minnesota in January? And here to help us preview this game between the Bears and the Vikings, as always, our good friend from the Daily Norseman, Chris Gates. Chris, welcome back. Oh, it's good to be here, Larry. And yes, it is getting to be a tradition quite like no other. It just needs that uh, Jim Nance masters music and you know uh, a sappy voiceover and yeah, yeah. It, it's a it, it keeps repeating itself over and over. It's Groundhog Day for for us. Yeah, and and we get the joy of of Akib Talib as our color announcer uh, on Sunday. <laughs> Uh, but, so but that means, but that means we do get Gus Johnson. That is true. He, he's that probably going to be the only guy in the building that's excited about this football game. So <laughs> that's uh, that's something at least. Yeah, and 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 Khalid, and, and Akib Talib gets to prove to everyone that he didn't take notes. Uh, you know <laughs> that he didn't do much research. I mean, obviously he knows football. He knows what he's talking about. But uh, you know he he can't sound more confused at times. We we ha- we didn't have Gus Johnson. I think maybe he was doing a bowl game or something uh, that weekend or, or whatever. We didn't have Gus Johnson for the Seattle game a couple of weeks ago, but we did have uh, Akib Talib, and he was an absolute nightmare uh, during that game. You know, incomplete sentences like he would start a thought and not finish it, and uh, and things to that. You know, not to mention. 
you know, that 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 the country twang in his voice it just doesn't sound professional. So no. I I, uh, mm-hmm. I don't I don't like it. So yeah, I mean, hopefully, uh, hopefully Gus will bring a little energy, and we can kind of forget that uh, Akib Talib is even there <laughs> for the most part. So, Chris, I was I was trying to search for some meaning uh, in this game. And um, I was kind of looking at it. Well, it's like, well, the Bears have won two straight since we played on Monday night. The Vikings lost both to Green Bay and the Rams. So we're actually in a spot that if the Bears win on Sunday, we both finish 7-10. and 10. Mm-hmm. And so I got myself to wondering, I was like, if we, if we win on Sunday, are we playing for second place? Is that happening? On Sunday, and it turns out that, um, and the reason that I broke it all down is because we both finished seven. If the Bears win on Sunday, we're seven and ten. We will both be three and three in the division, and we're both five and seven in the conference if it all goes down (laughs) that way. So I was like, Jesus Christ, what would the tiebreaker be? And apparently, um, there would be some kind of, I think you guys have the tiebreaker via common opponents like because you beat the Steelers and we didn't uh kind of yeah. thing it all kind of bre- like in the simplest of terms that's where it breaks down because I'm sure that there has to be something else in there because we beat the Bengals and you didn't and you know that kind of thing so it's there's got to be another tiebreaker in there somewhere because I think where were you guys were you one in three against the north the AFC north yeah, we lost to Cleveland, we lost to Cincinnati, we lost to Baltimore, but right. we did beat Pittsburgh. Right, so, and, yeah, and we for us it was we lost to Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and Cleveland, but we beat Cincinnati. So, yep. you know, I'm thinking maybe it's it's got something to do with the NFC West opponents or something. I don't know. but Because um, I think we went winless against the West this year. Did you guys beat anybody from the NFC West? Yeah, we beat Seattle. There you go. Well, we both beat Seattle. Damn it. Yeah. So. Uh, let's see. Uh, we lost to the Niners. We lost to the Cardinals. Yes. We lost to the Rams. So did we. Yeah. Yeah. So that's not it. Yep. Nope. So I have there's, no idea. Yeah, but I, it was explained to me on Twitter, not in a very in-depth way, but I put kind of posted it out there. Like, you know, do we win second place if we win on Sunday? And somebody said that basically the Vikings have it locked up one way or another, like strength of schedule or, or something like that. I don't Some, know. Something weird. Yeah, yeah, but it's like even if the Bears win on Sunday and it breaks down the way that I that I just, you know, broke it down, the Vikings still have the advantage somehow, which was, you know, believe it or not, good news to me because the same place opponents for next year, second place is Arizona, uh, New Orleans, and in the AFC South, because that's our, our AFC conference next year, it's Indianapolis, yep. versus the Texans in the AFC South, the Falcons, and the 49ers. Now, the 49ers are a tough out, but I'll take the Falcons and the Texans over the Saints and the Colts uh, in the same place opponent uh, arena. So, you know, for, for a team looking to bounce back in 2022, I'll take the uh, lighter schedule. So it looks like if the Bears win on Sunday, we get to have our cake and eat it too. Um, yep. You know, so we, we get the seven and ten record, but we'll still be in third place and then get what? I mean, who knows? It could not mean anything next year in twenty twenty two when everybody makes their picks and signs their free agents and makes their coaching changes uh, and all that kind of stuff. But you know, through the lens yep. of the twenty twenty one season, I like the third place opponents better than I do the second. So good luck with that next year. 
No, I can totally agree with that. And seven and ten still sounds just stupid. Um, <laughs> um, it's gonna it's gonna take like five years to get used to that. I bet. They, yeah. Well, I mean, just like add, we're all still calling, add, we're all still calling the Chargers San Diego. So yeah, I mean, unless they add an eighteenth game, we can get back to an even number again. I don't right. know how they pull that off, but yeah, the the seventeen game thing. I mean, especially in a season like this one where like half the league has been on the COVID list in the last month and <laughs> right. whatever. Yeah, it's been a little. Uh, it's been the uh, the timing has not been great for a uh, for a seventeen game regular season, but here we are, and yeah, once again, it's uh, Vikings at or Bears at Vikings for uh, for all the scheduling benefits <laughs> in week uh, in week eighteen. Yeah. I guess. So let me ask you because you we 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 mentioned that you know there's even if the Bears win you know we still finish in third place no matter what so that takes the stakes uh, out of that um, Nagy is most definitely out the door uh, it's not looking great for Zimmer I mean is that all but a done deal I haven't heard much talk about that it, it certainly seems like it's a done deal for Mike Zimmer I mean the way his uh, press conference went today it sounded like. Uh, He's kind of been told that Sunday's his last game, and you know, I part of me feels kind of bad for the guy. I mean, I don't even necessarily think Mike Zimmer is a bad football coach or anything, but I think I've mentioned this one of the last times that we talked. He's just kind of reached the point that a lot of coaches reach where the message just isn't getting through anymore. Sure, I mean this this is eight seasons for him in Minnesota, so it's taken uh, it's taken a lot longer for him than it takes some coaches. I mean, Denny Green got to ten years before he wound up. Uh, getting fired or quitting, depending on which story you believe. Right. But uh, yeah, Zimmer's gotten to the point. You know, he, he his message just isn't getting through. It's not resonating with the players anymore. Uh, I don't think him and Rick Spielman are on the same page anymore. He's throwing the offensive coordinator under the bus for what we saw in Green Bay on Sunday night. And yeah, it, it's it's getting kind of ugly. And it kind of seems to me like he's already been told that Sunday's his last game as the Minnesota Vikings head coach. Well, I would take evidence to the the Spielman Zimmer uh, tiff, if you will, to the way that he handled the Kellen Mond issue in the press this week. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, that, that was, was that really was something. I mean, I know Mike Zimmer kind of, you know, leans more towards to the coach that gives zero Fs, but, you know, the way that he was answering that question, you know, there was some steam behind those answers when he was answering, you know, asking, you know, is, is Kellen Mond going to play this week or – uh, you know, or don't you want to take a look at him? He's like, what for? I see him every day in practice. It's like, damn, <laughs> yeah. bro. Okay, fine. Yeah. I mean, I think the disconnect is there. I mean, you know, Rick Spielman makes these picks. I mean, you take someone like Mond, uh, you know, obviously a quarterback is not always going to see the field in his first year, especially if he's not a first-round guy or whatnot. But, yeah, that was the, that answer was not uh, – didn't sit right with me because, I mean, Kellen Mond's just a – a dude that's trying to make his way in the league yeah. hasn't really gotten a lot of opportunities. I mean, I think Sunday night was the first game he was actually active for this year. He's been a healthy scratch literally every week so far. And yeah, I mean, we don't necessarily know if he's got anything uh, in the future with the Minnesota Vikings, but yeah, that was, I, I didn't much care for the way he handled the answer to that question. I don't think a lot of other people did either. So yeah, yeah. It, it, it's getting bad. Yeah, I guess that would be a good uh, be a good thing that uh, Kellen Mond himself doesn't have access to the to the press after a comment 
uh, like that because I don't know if they're I don't know if I'd have a diplomatic bone in my body after hearing my coach basically roast me in front of the press like that. No, I, I damn sure wouldn't either. I mean, that was it was he was kind of uncalled for. And yeah, like like I said, he Mon didn't look great in the preseason or anything. Yeah, I get that, I understand that, but you know, the, the guy played three snaps against the Packers or the only three snaps he's played all season. Uh, we we really don't know anything about the guy. I know Zimmer sees him in practice or whatnot, and yeah, it. I I, I don't care for the way he handled that, and I, I think that's just another indicator that he's uh, he's sort of on his way out the door, and him and Rick Spielman aren't on the same page. Is Spielman going to stick around, or is he going out the door with him as well? Uh, you know, you see what they're doing in Jacksonville. They fired Urban Meyer, and they've already said that they're going to keep the general manager around. I. Rick Spielman's been in charge in Minnesota for 10 years, and, you know, the the vision that he has really hasn't accomplished a hell of a lot. Uh, You're going to have to bring uh, a coach in here and sell him on that vision in order to, uh, you know, make sure that, you know, like we just talked about, your GM and your coach are on the same page. And, you know, I I personally don't think you should fire one without firing the other. Yeah. And I, I think they both need to go so that you can get a GM in here that has a vision and he can find his guy and then they can sort the rest of the roster out from there. But, yeah, I, there, there's something kind of nagging at me that thinks that Spielman might find a way to stay around. But personally, if it was me, I would uh, I would send them both on their way. I have a uh, you know, I, I agree with that because we're facing something similar. Uh, in Chicago, I mean, it's all but a foregone conclusion that Matt Nagy is done, but there are rumors all over the place that Pace might be sticking around. And I don't dislike Ryan Pace. He's done a lot of great things in his time in Chicago. Obviously, his misses are well-documented and, and everything, uh, mm-hmm. but, you know, he's done great things uh, during his time uh, in Chicago. The win-loss record obviously isn't there. He hasn't won a playoff game uh, during his time as a general manager, but he's put together a pretty decent roster. And I think, you know, the McCaskies might look at it as, uh, you know, whereas, you know, Nagy and and he both agreed that maybe Trubisky was the problem. That's why they didn't bring him back. That's why we started over with, with Justin Fields. Maybe the McCaskies would think that, well, I mean, I think it's become clear that Nagy was the problem as far as the offense and everything not being able to go and, and what have you. So, the, you know, we're going to see if, if the guy that put this roster together would be able to, you know, make some headway with a coach that knows how to use these guys. And, you know, maybe the general manager wasn't the problem all along. It was the, the coach, and he doesn't use the players properly and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. It might give him a window to come back and I'm I'm more in favor of starting over like you said starting over fresh new general manager new head coach a a team that comes in together and you know ride it out uh that way so you know but because if it goes this way then you've got guys that are most likely on two different timelines you know you've got a, a head coach that's coming in thinking he's got some time to rework this and maybe I've got a you know a a year or two before there's any kind of pressure whereas the general manager who's on his third head coach and all that kind of stuff needs to see results right away or he'll be out the door and then you'll bring in another guy and the head coach that he's coming into isn't his guy and it's it's all just a mess all over again kind of thing it's just so much cleaner to to just start them both off at the same time 
No, I absolutely agree. Like I said, you want the the two guys that are on the same page from the beginning, uh, so that you know you go into the upcoming draft with the vision of what you want to do, uh, what you want to do in free agency, uh, how the roster needs to be reworked if you're going to be trading, doing whatever. And yeah, you you can't have that sort of imbalance where you know maybe the coach goes a couple years and then the GM goes a couple years later because you never really get caught up uh, with both of them unless you fire them both at the same time. So, yeah, I, I think Spielman and Zimmer both have to go, and uh, I'm not sure how long the Wilfs will wait until after the uh, game is over. I can imagine that uh, Black Monday is going to be uh, the day everything comes down, but we'll have to see exactly how they want to work that. Yeah, and just like that, um, Lafleur in Green Bay becomes the senior coach in the division <laughs> after a whopping three seasons because yep. uh, Dan Campbell's on year one and, you know, he's on year three and they'll be the, the, you know, the senior coaches in the division after, uh, after Sunday. So, so yeah. Chris, this is our, our, our rematch. Uh, if you will, we met a few weeks ago on Monday night football and I gotta, I gotta say all due respect uh, the Giants, or the Giants, we just played the Giants, sorry. The Vikings <laughs> won the game, but I don't feel like they beat us. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it was, such, it was you know, a signature, weird, kooky, Bears-Vikings uh, game. Kirk Cousin threw for a grand total of 87 yards against five guys who were just basically pulled off the street. Uh, in the secondary because we got bashed with COVID going into the game uh, with you guys. Um, you were able to take advantage and, you know, put your red zone opportunities in the end zone, which is basically what the difference in the football game was. But Because we were 0 for 4 in the red zone until our garbage time TD with zero time uh, left on the clock. But it was just one of those weird games where it just felt like the Bears were dominating, yet – Everywhere but the score, it read that everywhere but on the scoreboard. Yeah, I I still have no idea what the hell the offensive game plan was that night. Like you said, the the guys in the Bears secondary were bagging groceries the week before the <laughs> the Monday nighter, and you know, a bunch of do. It, it, it helps that that uh, Akeem Hicks becomes the best defensive player in the National Football League two weeks out of every season, right. and they're the they're the two. If that. If that dude ever gets into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, his entire highlight reel is going to be clips from games against Minnesota because, yeah, yeah two, two weeks out of the year, that guy is the best defensive player in the National Football League. And once again, he ruined a lot of things for the Vikings offense that night. And, yeah, I mean, I think we got a couple of short fields and took advantage, and yeah. that was the difference. But I still don't know how the hell they only threw for 87 yards that game. I know uh, Adam Thielen wasn't out there. Right. But, uh yeah, that there's there's still no excuse for not even throwing for a hundred yards against a, a secondary full of guys that were either on the practice squad or, like you said, were free agents the week before uh, leading up to the game. Yeah, so I mean, it was it was a really weird game, but it made total sense as far as the Bears Vikings rivalry that the outcome just doesn't make any sense. You look at the. I think we had like double the turn or double the uh, first downs. We had uh, you know time of possession. You guys beat it. It was like the turnovers and red zone. That's where that's where the game was won for Minnesota because the Bears won it literally everywhere else. We had more passing yards and uh, you know more rushing yards and you know all that kind of stuff. And but it, here it was 
Uh, the Vikings were <coughs> two for two in the red zone. The Bears were zero for four, and there was your your victory. And thanks to the garbage time TD at the end, it on paper appeared that the Vikings were in yet <laughs> another one score football game. So, um, yep. the, you know, the wonders never cease with these two uh, these two great rivals. But uh, yeah. since we've since that game. The Bears are 2-0. and The Vikings are 0-2. They were eliminated from playoff contention uh, uh, most ends unceremoniously on Sunday against the uh, Packers. Um, how's the love for Kirk Cousins these days? Mr. Unvaccinated catches COVID just before the most important game uh, of the season. And uh, I don't know how much of a factor he would have played in the outcome because the Packers are just regular season's greatest football team ever. But, you know... How are people feeling about Kirk Cousins catching COVID at just the most absolute perfect time? I mean, anybody who didn't see this coming hasn't actually paid attention to Minnesota Vikings football for the last 20 years. I think we <laughs> I think we all pretty much expected this to happen. And, you know, he, they dodged the bullets all year until they, they just couldn't do it anymore. I, I know there's a lot of the stuff about, you know, Oh, the vaccinated guys are getting it too, and what not? I mean, who did he get it from? And blah blah blah. I mean, the, the bottom line is that he got it. It was the worst possible time for him to get it. Uh, Sean Mannion is terrible, and yet the Vikings continue to roster him as the backup quarterback. Uh, you go three and out on five consecutive possessions. Uh, the defense held up about as long as they could, and then they just couldn't hold up anymore. And suddenly it was twenty to th- with. With four minutes left in the second quarter, I believe it was six to nothing in favor of Green Bay, and we yeah. wound up going into halftime at uh, twenty to three because the defense just couldn't do it anymore. The the offense couldn't sustain a drive for more than three plays. Uh, I don't know how much of a difference Cousins would have made. I don't know if they would have actually won the game, but uh, I don't think they would have gotten embarrassed in quite the fashion they did either because. They, they knew Sean Mannion was absolutely no threat to do anything offensively. Yeah. And, you know, they handed the ball to Dalvin Cook to nine. The, yeah, he handed the ball to Dalvin Cook nine times. I think he got, like, 13 yards. It was just awful. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, like I said, the defense did what they could for as long as they could. And, you know, eventually when you don't get any breaks because your offense can't sustain a drive, you just start leaking and giving up points. And that's what happened. Oh, yeah. As a Bears fan, I, I, I definitely understand the whole the defense held them for as long as they could, and then the dam broke mm-hmm. at the end. Uh, I can't tell you how many times, how many games, just in the last three seasons, 2019, 2020, and then uh, 2021, where um, you know the defense would hold on uh, deep into the third quarter, possibly into the fourth. It's a one-score game, and then all of a sudden – you know, that fourth uh, three and out from the offense, is that's the damn breaking. The defense has to go back out there for, like, their 70th play of the game halfway through yep. the fourth quarter. They just got nothing left. And, you know, oh, there's the, there's the one that uh, put them ahead. Oh, and then there's another one that put them away uh, kind of thing. We've seen that many, many times in the last couple seasons. Yeah, it's kind of been the same way with us. I mean, we've given up more points. I believe the stat was uh, we've given up 120 points in either the last two minutes of the first half or the last two minutes of the of regulation, hmm. which is more than uh, any team has done since the merger. Wow. Uh, bas- basically, the, the two-minute defense has just been awful. Uh, I think we've surrendered points at the uh, at, in one of those two situations in pretty much every game on the schedule. 
uh, except for maybe the Pittsburgh game. And we darn near gave up points at the end of the game to Pittsburgh, too. They had an opportunity, but they uh, dropped the pass at the end of the game. So, yeah, the the two-minute defense for the Vikings has just been putrid all year. Uh, It's cost them several games, and, you know, if if not for some heroics by the offense, it would have cost them at least a couple of others. So, yeah, the people people want to complain about Cousins, want to complain about the offense, but... You know, Mike Zimmer got literally everything he wanted on defense this offseason as far as personnel goes, yeah. and this defense is somehow every bit as bad as it was last year, if not possibly worse, and I just don't understand how that happens, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it does kind of boggle the mind uh, when that yep. happens. Um, yeah, I mean, because it also kind of makes you wonder, is like, how is it that the the ideal quarterback for the Bears, or the one that they that you know they probably had circled on their list uh, you know falls into their lap at 11 and yet we couldn't figure out how to make an offense work around him i mean chris i i could detail an hour for you on how that was handled <laughs> incorrectly from the very beginning so i mean it just it was uh you know uh, a disaster of its own making because of the way that Nagy engineered this whole thing once he finally had Justin Fields in his in his grasp so, I mean, um, a guy that I've had on the show works for uh, sportsmockery.com. His name is Eric Lambert. Did an uh, article on Matt Nagy last week saying, you know, apparently Matt Nagy should quit coaching and go into scouting because yeah. he knows how to spot talent, but God help him, he doesn't know how to use it. Because the example that was given in the article was when Cordell Patterson became a free agent heading into the 19 season, um, Nagy was pounding the table, adamant. We got to get our hands on this guy. There's so much he can do for us. Got to get him. We sign him to a two-year deal. We get him in Chicago. He's a special teams ace. All that, you know, he runs, he runs the ball. He's a receiver by trade, you know, and all that kind of stuff. He touched the ball 28 times in 2019. Jeez. 28 times yeah. all of 2019. And then last year in, in 2020, that number probably only went up because we lost Tariq Cohen in week three last season Mm -hmm. and it still only ended up being like 50 something for the entire football season and that's with him serving as our second string running back behind uh, Montgomery last year it's like he's got the eye for talent uh, but he doesn't really know how to use it we see that on a week-to-week basis uh, in Chicago not to mention Matt Nagy's kind of been on this FU tour to uh, Ryan Pace the last uh several weeks because every person that Ryan Pace kind of praised uh, in a post-game press conference, young guys like Thomas Graham uh, Jr., who had a great game in his debut against the Vikings on yep. Monday, Tevin Jenkins, our second string or second round uh, draft pick and everybody. Nagy has gone out of his way not to play those guys since Ryan Pace made those comments. This past Sunday against the Giants, Tevin Jenkins had nine snaps in a game where we were winning 22-3 to three at halftime, and Thomas Jesus. Graham had seven. You know, it's like, what's the, why is Jason Peters out there in the fourth quarter? Dude, this, this season is over. We're ahead by four scores. Put the young guy in there. Let's see what he can do. Uh, it, was, it, just, it just boggles the mind uh, where Nagy's head is at on Sundays. Yeah, and we're kind of getting the same thing. I don't know if it's a kind of a Zimmer, Spielman, FU kind of thing, but, you know, we mentioned Mond and the quarterback situation, but, you know, the Vikings had four third-round picks in this past April's draft. Uh, Mond was one of them. 
they drafted Chaz Surratt at linebacker, and I believe he's been a healthy scratch uh, the majority of the weeks this year. Uh, Wyatt Davis was a two-time consensus All-American guard for a team that was playing in the college football playoff, and that that dude not only isn't playing, he's not even active uh, most Sundays. Uh, Patrick Jones, the defensive end, is only out there because of the injury issues and things they're dealing with with the Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter. So, I mean, Spielman's drafting these guys. I don't know how much input Zimmer has into the draft and whatnot, but yeah, Spielman's drafting these guys, and Mike Zimmer isn't playing them. I mean, they only have really played any of the rookies uh, due to injury. I mean, we had uh, Amir Smith-Marset, who the Vikings took in the fifth round and caught his first NFL touchdown pass against uh, Chicago. And the next week when the Vikings went out on the field because of COVID issues, uh, they only had one name on the on the inactive list, and it was uh, Amir Smith-Marset. So, yeah, it, it's just weird the way the, the Vikings are handling the roster. I mean, the, the guy, if you take guys in the third round, they don't probably necessarily have to start right away, but they should probably at least be contributing in some way. Right. And the, the, the guys the Vikings have drafted uh, really aren't, and I, I don't understand why that is, if they just missed that badly or if it's a personal thing between Zimmer and Spielman or whatever the case is but hopefully when there's a new coaching regime in here all that can get swept away and we can see uh, what some of these guys actually have this episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room Guys, Spotify Greenroom is free, audio-only social media platform for sports fans. Start or join ongoing conversations, watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors, and games. Talk with other sports fans, insiders, athletes, and executives in real time. Join in on conversations with me at Club 34-7 and have a chance to be featured on your favorite podcast. I'll be hosting rooms every week. Uh, for Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. Come through and talk to me live on Club 34-7. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app in the iOS App Store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. Follow me at Larry D-E-E to be notified when my room goes live. And again, every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, you can join me on the Spotify Green Room for Club 34-7. Come in, let's have a conversation, let's talk bears, let's talk whatever you want. But in order to do that, you got to download the Spotify Green Room anywhere you get your apps. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I too uh, am looking forward uh, to that. I'm, I'm looking forward to the game on Sunday because we found out today that Ryan, uh, excuse me, that Justin Fields will be starting for the first time since the Monday night game. Uh, against the uh, Vikings. Matt Nagy has had fun shuffling through his quarterbacks uh, the last uh, <laughs> few weeks. This will be the third different quarterback since Monday night to play uh, for the Bears um, this week. Because Fields... Do you remember Fields limping around at all during the game when we played on uh, Monday night? I'm trying to remember. I don't know if he got Because they said he got hurt in the, the second game. quarter. He said it happened in the second quarter, so before halftime. But I don't remember him hobbling around or even on the sidelines or, you know, limping when he's trying to run uh, or anything like that. And then it's just like Wednesday, he's got an ankle injury and he's limited. It's like, wait, what? When did that happen? So, I mean, he played a whole half on that ankle, and then it, it, it kept him out for the last couple of weeks. It's like, okay, I guess that happened. 
Yeah, no, I, I don't remember anything like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I remembered him getting around pretty good for the most part. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he must have done something or, yeah, I, I really don't know. But, no, I don't remember him being hurt uh, in that Monday night game against Minnesota or anything like that. Yeah, so I, I figure he must have aggravated in practice on that Wednesday because he was limited on that Wednesday and then did not practice on Thursday, did not practice Friday, and then was out against the uh, Seahawks and – with Andy Dalton, A, just back off the COVID list, and B, nursing a groin injury, we got uh, good old Nick Foles starting the game against the uh, <laughs> the Seahawks with a kid that we literally just signed that week serving as his backup, uh, elevated from the practice squad. So, I mean, it was uh, quite, a, quite a week. And then, of course, Andy Dalton is healthy. So rather than start Nick Foles, who won us a game against the Seahawks the week before, we're going to go with Andy Dalton because that's how the – depth chart works and he's going to go out there and uh play mediocre football uh against the uh giants but because we're playing the giants it was good enough to get us uh a win and then hey it's week 18 let's throw the rookie back out there why not you know just let's just go ahead and, yep and uh risk him getting hurt again against the vikings uh and and all the rest of that as opposed to just using one of these deadbeats who won't be on the team next year and sacrifice them uh, to the Vikings, let's throw the rookie out there. One final fu if if uh, Nagy can get uh, Fields, you know, seriously injured before the end of the season and ruin his twenty twenty two season. Yeah, I, and Mike Zimmer during his press conference today has already declared that uh, Kirk Cousins, who's back off the COVID list, is going to start this week. Uh, they're going to play the starters that are available. Uh, unfortunately, on Monday, uh, three fifths of the offensive line went on the COVID list. Uh, one of them's back already because uh, Brian O'Neill uh, tested out his back at practice today. But uh, the entire left side of the line uh, is currently on the COVID list with uh, Christian Darrisaw and Ezra Cleveland. So we're going to have to see uh, whether or not they're able to uh, recover and make it by Sunday afternoon. But, yeah, they're going to run the starters out there. And it's it would be so typical Minnesota Vikings football if something serious were to happen to – Justin Jefferson or Dalvin Cook or, you know, uh, someone else that has it's going to have a prominent role going forward with this football team. So uh, I hope that doesn't happen. But uh, at the same time, I absolutely would not be surprised if that uh, wound up being the case. So as let me ask you, the fan base for the for the Vikings, should we expect the full house? On Sunday or with, you know, Zimmer possibly on his way out, the playoffs no longer uh, part of it. You're, you know, like we talked about earlier, you guys are locked into second place. There's nothing to play for against the team that also has nothing to play for. I mean, I don't know if the Bears are a big enough draw uh, in Minnesota. Are we going to be having or is there going to be a full stadium at U.S. Bank on, on Sunday or are we going to be looking at a lot of uh, spectators disguised as empty seats on Sunday? I have my doubts. I mean, and part of the reason behind that was something that just came down today. And I don't want to get into the the, the weeds with the COVID thing or whatever. But the uh, governor of Minnesota just uh, once again reinstituted a, a full mask mandate for uh, for all indoor venues. We had we had not had that uh, prior to this week. So I don't know if that's going to turn some people off from uh, potentially going to the game. And you know, I, I would like to think that. You know, Mike Zimmer has given us, you know, eight pretty decent years for the most part. And I would like to think that the fans would show up to kind of kind of give him a 
proper send-off, but I, I don't know if that's going to happen. So I, I would be surprised if because of you know apathy and now the uh, reinstituted mandates and things of that nature, uh, I would be surprised if we saw a, a full house at U.S. Bank Stadium on Sunday. So let's actually one of the, one of the games I wanted to talk about was that was that uh, Rams game because that one was actually pretty back and forth. I got to watch a good majority of it with the Bears playing the Seahawks on the West Coast. That was the game that was playing in my area before uh, the game uh, before the Bears came on at three uh, and everything. Quite the back and forth between those two teams, and in the end, it was the Rams that just kind of were a little too much, but it was it was a fight for the Vikings. I really thought they were going to pull it off. I'm the, the Rams did everything they could to give away that football game, and yeah. the Vikings just wouldn't <laughs> take it. Ma- Matthew Stafford should have thrown six interceptions. He wound up with three, and right. he should have had twice that many. I mean, the very first pass he threw hit Cameron Dantzler right in the hands, and he dropped it, and... Yeah, I mean, Matthew Stafford, I don't know if he was flashing back to his time with Detroit yeah. against Minnesota because, you know, the, the Vikings have set several sack records uh, courtesy of Matthew Stafford when he was the Lions quarterback. Uh, there was one they sacked him 10 times in one game a few years back at U.S. Bank. But, yeah, the Rams did everything they could to give that one away, and the Vikings wouldn't take it. And it wound up uh, ultimately uh, coming down to special teams because the uh, Rams got a 60-some-odd-yard punt return for a touchdown. Yeah. And, you know, that, that wound up being the difference in the game. And, you know, once again, when the Vikings needed to make stops at the end, they couldn't make stops. Uh, we pay to improve the run defense, and we get worked by uh, Sony Michelle for four quarters. I mean, it was it was awful to watch. And, you know, e- even though it was, uh, you know, another terrible showing from the defense for the most part, uh, the Vikings still had an opportunity to win that game. And like I said, they, they just wouldn't take it from the Rams. And, you know, it, it eventually cost them just like all their other uh, one-score losses have cost them this year. Did you feel like that was it? I mean, because, uh, you know, the likelihood of going in. I mean, even though you guys have been more successful than Lambeau than any other team uh, in the division with the way the Vikings have been playing. And, I mean, even before Cousins went out with uh, – uh, with COVID and everything, it's like it. Did it feel like the opportunity to stay in the playoff hunt, you know, and have a chance to win Week 18 against the Bears at home, you know, could possibly get you in. Losing that game to the Rams, did that feel like that was it? It it really kind of did, at least for me, because you know the the Vikings had beaten uh, Chicago to get back to seven and seven, yeah. and you know you figured they had to split those next two games to at least have a shot and you know having to split those next two games you obviously figure that the home game is going to be the easier get than going into Lambeau and beating the Packers again and yeah when when that game was over and the Vikings had lost I think a lot of people pretty much uh, came to the determination that everything was over for this year and that uh, yeah and then the Cousins thing happened and what little shot we did probably have of uh, pulling off the upset at Lambeau evaporated, and yeah, that's uh, yeah. I, I think everyone pretty much knew it was over after the Rams game. So if all goes to you know to plan, if you will, um, Mike Zimmer gets his pink slip on Monday. Has has the discussion begun as to who the Vikings and their fans would like to see come in and take over? I think you're seeing a lot of the names that are kind of connected to a lot of the other openings around the uh, the NFL. You're going to hear. Uh, Brian Dable from Buffalo. 
uh, Byron Leftwich from Tampa, although I, I think Leftwich is destined for Jacksonville, but that's just my trying to connect those two dots together. Mm. Uh, you're going to hear Eric Bieniemy. Uh, you're probably going to hear Todd Bowles. Uh, I wouldn't hate Todd Bowles coming to Minnesota. I mean, you can't hold being bad with the Jets against a guy necessarily. I mean, he, he's a solid coach, but, yeah, it, go, going to the Jets is not uh, not the recipe for success for for a head coach, so I wouldn't hate that one. But, yeah, I mean, you're. I don't think there's any really unique names that are connected to uh, Minnesota. I don't think any of them have any ties, really. I know uh, Biennemi was the running backs coach for the Vikings for several years. But, yeah, I, I think you're going to hear a lot of the usual suspects uh, when it comes to the uh, coaching search. I'm not sure how many coach openings there's going to be. I think uh, a lot of people have speculated five because you're going to have uh, – Jacksonville and the Raiders, and then uh, I've heard Chicago, Denver, and Minnesota are going to be participating in Black Monday uh, this year as well. So I'm not sure how many openings there's going to be, and you know, with coaches being in the playoffs and whatnot, I'm not sure who's going to be be available for interviews and when. But yeah, there's nobody special that's necessarily been connected to Minnesota that we haven't necessarily heard from uh, from any other coaching opening. Yeah, it's it's that um, it's that uh, that's that special time of year where uh, you know the the names start flying uh, around. I mean, obviously here in Chicago, um, the fan base is divided on guys like Jim Harbaugh, you know, and and if he can be enticed to come back to the uh, NFL, you know, Chicago has been widely rumored to be his dream job in the NFL to be head coach. Uh, of the Bears, and there's also talk about uh, maybe he goes to Las Vegas and takes over the Raiders uh, kind of thing. You know, we're rumored to, oh, you know, could be could be Leslie Frazier, you know, 85 Bear, and, uh, you know, he's one of the more respected coordinators in the league and has head coaching experience, as you know, with the with the Vikings and everything, and you know, maybe it's maybe it's him, and you know, obviously, then you know, Byron Leftwich, Josh McDaniels, who is apparently a huge Justin Fields uh, fan, and and all that kind of stuff. It, th- those names are all uh, out there, and I, for the first time in in you know, the several times that we've had a head coaching search, especially during my time doing this podcast, I've been doing the show since two thousand and seven, so this will be my. We got Lovey, Trussman, Fox, Nagy. This will be my fifth head coach in the history of this podcast. And I think this is the first time in that in that span that I don't really have a leader in the clubhouse, if you will, as far as like who I'd like uh, to be the coach. Because when I wanted Pat Shermer, you know, when we were trying to hire Nagy, especially after he just got done polishing the turd that is Sam Bradford and made him into a playoff leading quarterback. Imagine what he could do with a kid like Trubisky uh, was my argument and everything. And then we were the we were the first team to hire somebody. We hired Nagy, who was probably at the bottom of our list simply because I knew who the hell he was. Um, yeah, you know, of course that's who the Bears hire, and they bring him in. We hired first. Here comes Nagy, and you know the rest is. Uh, the rest is history. This is the first time in our now our fifth head coaching search that I don't really have a guy that I would like to see uh, in there. 
I just I'm, I'm at the point right now where just like anybody but Nagy would seem fine to me uh, at this point. You know, he's a great guy, and I don't have anything against him personally. It's just not working out, and we need to start over. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be the fourth uh, head coach uh, for us. I mean, because, yeah, I started doing uh, DN back with the uh, 2006 season. So we got uh, the Childress era, and then we got the uh, the Leslie Frazier era, and now the uh, the Zimmer era. And, you know, for the, for the Childress thing, I know he was kind of the consensus, you know, best available candidate because he had been with the Eagles for a while, and they had gone to uh, at least one Super Bowl that I can remember, and he was the offensive coordinator there. And, you know, Frazier, they didn't really have much of a search because he was the uh, defensive coordinator under Childress. And then when Childress got canned, he was the uh, interim guy for the final six games in 2010. And then they just kind of gave him the job and he lasted three more seasons. And yeah, then it took a while to get Zimmer. I think Zimmer was the last head coach hired in uh, 2014 after all the other coaching vacancies had been filled. And, you know, there were stories about how he was disappointed that he missed out on I can't remember what job it was. He missed out on some job and you know, he almost didn't get on the plane to Minnesota and then he got here and got hired by Minnesota and has had his eight year run. But yeah, at this point I, I don't really have a leader uh, in the clubhouse, as you put it, for, for our team either. I mean I just I want a guy that, you know, is willing to bring an offense, you know, from this century. Uh, into the uh, into play. I mean, Amen, not the, brother. Uh, yeah, not the not the three yards and a cloud of field turf or whatever that we've been trying to run for the. You know, I've I think I've said it on the show before. If Mike Zimmer could run the football sixty times a game, he'd run the football sixty times a game. Yeah. And that's not the way to uh, National Football League success anymore. Uh, we got to have a guy who's willing to uh, kind of build things around Justin Jefferson because we don't need him going down the. Uh, the Percy Harvin, Stefan Diggs road of talking his way out of town in a few years, because that would be uh, pretty terrible because he's already so uh, well loved by the fan base. But yeah, that those are the main things for me. They just need to have uh, a different offensive vision uh, from what we've seen. Cause you know, we've seen in the national football league that if you have a really good offense, you can get by with kind of an average defense, but you know, great defense and mediocre offense is generally not the, uh, recipe for success right especially when it comes playoff time that uh, yeah I mean just look at 2018 for the Bears you know one of the the in the number one defense in the NFL that year but uh help it you know being um what's the you know propping up uh an offense that was averaging about 18 points a game going into like the last six weeks of the season going into the playoffs were averaging about 18 points a game well it's like our opponents were over averaging about 10 or 11 thanks to our defense and we lose the playoff game at home 16 to 15 our defense yep. only allowed 16 points and we still lost the game uh kind of things mm-hmm. like never mind parky and the double doink god help me but you know <laughs> we only scored 15 points uh in that football game prior to that field goal attempt and that's that's no way to win a football game you know it's no. it's january you got to be able to put something uh, together, the offense needs to uh, you know to be hitting on all cylinders uh, at that time. Because we, how many times have we seen? It's not always the best team that wins in the playoffs. It's the team playing the best football uh, that wins. Like the the two years that the Giants won the Super Bowls, they were nine and seven and ten and six going into the 
playoffs, but they play were playing the best football that one year, and I know you enjoyed this. They beat the 15 and one Green Bay Packers in the divisional round to send them home early, and then went, sure on to, uh, <laughs> went on to win the uh, Super Bowl and beat Brady again. Uh, you know that was a pretty sweet afternoon when when uh, the 15 and one uh, Packers got sent home. Uh, during the divisional round, that was so awesome to watch. That it's like, it's yeah, cer- it certainly was. Yeah, the Bears, <laughs> the Bears went eight and eight. You went fifteen and one, and you played one whole game more than we did before you yep. got sent home. A <laughs> lot of good fifteen and one, did you? So, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. So, I mean, we'll see. Uh, I just, um, I just know that, uh, like you said, a mediocre offense with a great defense. That's the story of my life. You know, because yep. I've I've uh, you know I've lived through uh, the '85 Bears and Erlacher and you know Julius Peppers and now Khalil Mack and uh, Robert Quinn in the year he's had along with Quinn or, or yeah Quinn and uh, uh, Akeem Hicks and and the studs that we've had on defense in the last handful of years two playoff appearances zero victories uh, in that uh, in that time uh, under Ryan Pace so it's just like you. You know, or three, if you want to talk about back in 2010, same thing. Great defense, mediocre uh, offense. Uh, you know, this was a defense that held Green Bay to a combined in three games, two games in the regular season and the <coughs> NFC Championship game, a combined, you know, like 42 points or something in three games, and we lost them all. Yep. We lost all three games that yep. year. We lost them all. Like, how do you do that? So, because. You know, your offense can't figure out how to score points. We lost a 10-3 to game to Green Bay. We went to Lambeau, held Green Bay to 10 points, still lost. So yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's remarkable. And the, the mediocre offense, it's, it's amazing. So I, uh, I know how you're feeling uh, about that, you know, because we're watching it every day in Chicago. Uh, that's for sure. And unfortunately, we've missed our window with the defense or – or uh, I don't know if we have because we, we, we played 80% of it without Khalil Mack uh, this year, and Robert Quinn's got 18 sacks, just broke the franchise single-season record and everything. So I don't know. I, it, all I know is that we weren't as stifling or dominant as we had been in the last couple of years, and then our offense couldn't get it done on top of it. And here we are, our first losing season in the Nagy era, and he's going to be headed out the door, win or lose, uh, on Sunday. So... The offense has got to be able to do it. In today's NFL, like you said, three yards in a cloud of dust isn't going to get it done anymore. Nope, it certainly isn't. I mean, you know, there, there's a reason that not a lot of teams employ fullbacks anymore. I mean, the Vikings have a, a pretty good one, and, you know, there, there just aren't many other teams that even have fullbacks on the roster anymore because it's it's a new era of offense. It's spread teams out. It's four and five wide receivers. It's uh, run-pass options, and yeah, the the Vikings just aren't built for it right now, despite the offensive talent that they have. And, you know, the, the defense is uh, is either aging or the guys that are on it are just not ready or not very good right now. And, I mean, during the entirety of the time that I've been a fan of the Minnesota Vikings, they've never really done a full-on blow everything up and start over completely from scratch uh, rebuild. I mean, they've kind of done the uh, the retooling on the fly sort of thing, and that's kept them just good enough to be competitive most years, but, you know, not good enough to ultimately get to where uh, they and the fan base want to go. And, you know, I, I really honestly think even if there's a year or two of pain involved, 
that's what this franchise needs is just clear everything out, blow up the roster, start everything over, build around guys like uh, Justin Jefferson and Brian O'Neill and uh, some of the younger players on defense and yeah, just uh, just try to try to reset everything about the franchise, pretty much. Just control, alt, delete the whole thing. Pretty much, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, is is um, I'm I'm kind of you know on the fence about the Ryan Pace thing. I can see the pros and the cons of either of either side, but like we talked about earlier, we're bringing in a new head coach, and I, I think that you know in a year or two, God forbid. Uh, even if we're a 500 football team, even though that term doesn't exist anymore, well, with 17 games that, you know, things don't work out, Ryan Pace goes, but the coach stays, like they're apparently going to try to do in New York with the Giants. Joe Judge is going to stay, but Gettleman's on his way out kind of thing. Like, I don't get how that works at all. But, um, you know, it it just, uh, it's always better. It's cleaner to just, you know, cut off the... Just cut a nip it in the bud and just start over uh, again, and uh, you know see where it goes uh, uh, from there. I'm, I think I'm far more in in league with that train of thought than you know giving Pace another chance, a third head coach to uh, to work his way through, and uh, and all that kind of stuff. So I, that's just uh, well, we'll get to Black Monday and see how it goes. We got to play this game uh, on Sunday. You know, we'll we'll see we'll see if they can't give us another entertaining head scratching uh, football game where everything in the statistics <laughs> says the game went one way, but we look on the scoreboard and it went another. See if we can't uh, do that on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the most important thing for this one is both side for both sides is that uh, nobody of any uh, real important well I shouldn't say anybody of any real importance anybody at all uh, suffers any significant injuries because right. they don't need to be dealing with that going into the off season, but yeah, I mean, hopefully the game is entertaining. Hopefully we have, uh, some enjoyment uh, out of watching the, uh, the football game and, you know, yeah, everyone stays healthy and we head to uh, black Monday and start the, uh, coaching and GM searches and see what, uh, you know, what the off season and free agency and the draft is going to bring to us. Well, speaking strictly as a football fan, Last year's game in the finale, or the home finale for you guys, I should say, um, with the David Montgomery versus Dalvin Cook thing was one of the more entertaining games that we had last season with the two of them just going tit for tat uh, with one another. You know, Montgomery hit, he had 170-something yards. Cook wasn't that far uh, behind him and, uh, and everything. That was a lot of fun. I mean, you want old-school football. That was about as good as it's going to get uh, in that yep. game. Uh, last year, so it's like never mind that my team won. I just like I really enjoyed watching that game and the you know the 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 the, the trench the, the trench war going on between the two teams, the running backs going out there and do those do their thing. Especially since Cook and Montgomery are two of the more physical runners uh, in the league, they earn every yard uh, that they get. So that's what made it fun uh, to watch as well. So maybe we'll get another one of those uh, before we close the book on twenty twenty one. No, that would be uh, that'd be nice. Like I said, we're uh, we're in part of the early window where all the uh, basically meaningless games for Sunday are, so we can uh, we can enjoy we can enjoy our game and kind of watch the uh, the more meaningful games in yeah. the uh, late window and uh, Sunday night. Fire up the uh, fire up the red zone channel for the last time this season, and yeah. you know just uh, 
you know, just kind of enjoy the football. And like I said, we uh, we get to keep our eyes on Black Monday and what happens with the uh, coaching and the GM searches for the Vikings and the Bears and you know a couple other teams around the NFL and see uh, who we're competing for, if anybody. And yeah, it, we can we can get through this game with no significant injuries and get on to the off season because I think uh, you know both of our teams have been looking forward to it for at least uh, a few weeks here I think yeah agreed well Chris as always it was great having you uh, back on um, you know we look forward to having you back on again and I I would actually like to extend an invitation I was going to talk to you this off air to hell with them. I'm just going to do it here <laughs> um, I want to have you back on at some point during the off season and um, you and I, we talked about it on, on during the last uh, show that we had you back on for the Monday night game. Uh, and I sent you a link to the highlight reel of that <laughs> game you brought up. That weird 48 to 41 or whatever the final score game, you know, was. To like yeah, have I- you on at some point during the offseason to like the two of us kind of review that game and talk about that, that, <laughs> that shootout between Gus Farratt and Kyle Orton, Kyle Orton back in 2008. I mean, what a, I mean, when I sat down and watched the, the highlights, it's like, my God, I remember all of this. And this was the last thing in the world I was expecting from this game. But we had like 92 points scored between these two teams that were not very, that were not, offensive juggernauts going into it no we we can definitely work something like that i mean we can uh we can maybe do it in the dead time between the uh the draft and the uh the the preseason i'm not sure what your uh, show schedule looks like but yeah we can uh we can definitely work something like that and kind of review that one and some of the other uh, weird uh moments that we uh seem to bring up quite frequently <laughs> during these uh during these shows between these two teams. Yeah, but you brought that one up, and I was like, the the first thing that I thought of was, like, the craziest things that were happening in that game, the special teams issues that the Vikings had. I'd forgotten all about that, like how many points the Bears just got on special teams alone. The one play that stuck out in my head was Marty Booker, who is not known for his open field speed, catches a, <laughs> catches a pass, like makes a basically makes a left turn to turn upfield and outruns everybody for like a 70 yard touchdown it's like when the hell did marty booker figure out how to do that i was like never seen him do that before and he just caught a, a simple out route then turn it back to the inside he curls it upfield and he's gone it's like where the hell did the secondary go how did marty booker do this and it was just such a crazy crazy game uh, and the you know the Bears ended up uh, winning it and and everything, but it was just like, how did we get like ninety something points out of these two teams who couldn't rub two nickels together as far as offense was concerned going into it? No, it, it was really something to watch. I mean, yeah, you, when you think offense, you don't immediately think Kyle Orton versus Gus Farad at, at Soldier Field yeah. or anything like that. So, yeah, that was that was a fun one. I mean, it would be. It'd be cool to go back and kind of review that one. So, yeah, we can definitely make something like that happen during the offseason. We'll look forward to that, guys. We're going to have Chris Gates back during the offseason. We're going to break down that 2008, I think it was like week seven, matchup between the Bears and the Vikings in an odd, odd year where at the time first place was on the line between two, three, and three teams. That was what they were (laughs) saying to open up that clip, uh, uh, that that highlight reel that I sent you. So be on the lookout 
uh, for that, guys. And, Chris, we look forward to having you back on, and best of luck on Sunday and uh, through the off season. By the time we talk, all of the questions that we have now will have been answered. Yep, they sure will be. Yeah, best, uh, best of luck to you guys as well. And once again, uh, no injuries on Sunday, and hopefully we get an entertaining football game. And, yeah, we can uh, start what uh, appears to be a new era for both of our uh, favorite teams. So, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. And, yeah, always happy to, uh, to take the time and talk Vikings, Bears, and whatever else comes up. So, yeah, thanks, uh, thanks for having me, and I look forward to next time. All right. As always, I want to thank Chris Gates from SB Nation's Daily Norseman. Be sure to follow him on Twitter, at Daily Norseman, to get the uh, latest from him and his uh, flock on the uh, on our NFC North rival Vikings. And, um, I, you know, what do you guys think of that that idea? You know, like I said, I, I want to stay a little bit more active uh, during the offseason uh, this year. Uh, I don't know how much... Uh, draft or free agency stuff. I'm not really... I love the draft. I, I sit and I watch every single second, but I'm not a big draft nerd as far as like following prospects and you know looking at the tape of some guy that might go in the seventh round or uh, or anything like that. I'm not that guy. I'm not... Um, I'm not a... Uh, I'm not a draft guy who does all the homework that will be able to tell you you know... This is a guy that will go in the third or fourth round, or uh, he would be uh, better served to be taken in the fifth. And scouts love him, so he'll probably go higher, and you know, and all that kind of stuff. I, I'm not going to sit here and talk to you about a DB and his hips and uh, his hand speed and and all that kind of stuff. Uh, that's that's not who I am as far as breaking that stuff uh, down. So uh, I'm not sure how much draft analysis or anything like that I'll get into, but I've been trying to come up with with ideas and, and stuff to do that would be fun uh, during the offseason to, uh, you know, like I said, stay a bit more active during the offseason than I have been. Uh, thanks to um, the doing the, um, doing the uh, opponent previews uh, again this year with the handful of episodes that I did uh, during the offseason prior to that uh, and everything, I've... Uh, I'm closing in on 100 episodes for this particular season. Uh, I think like this one that's coming out uh, that you're listening to right now is 93 or 94, uh, you know, since January of 2021 after the season ended. Because the first episode that I did in 2021 was a was myself and Lauren Cox where we talked about the 2006 Chicago Bears because it was it was Super Bowl weekend and he uh, he and I had gotten together and we were hanging out in my apartment and we were talking about the 2006 season you know kind of like going into the Super Bowl let's talk about the last Super Bowl team the Bears had and uh, and the fun that we had uh, with that conversation that was episode one and all the way now almost a full calendar year later we're in the 90s in the episodes and I honestly I didn't I wasn't very active uh, during the off season, and I still managed to crank out almost 100 uh, episodes. So I would like to see if maybe I could pull that off here in 2022 and uh, find a reason and, and discover and make up reasons to uh, 
to do shows during the uh, off season because um, you know it's funny. I I can I can condition myself not to miss it when I'm not doing it, but once I'm doing it again, I can't think of why I wasn't doing it because I love doing this so much. I really do. And, um, you know, like I said, so I'd rather not stop doing it and then rediscover my love for it two months from now uh, when I'm trying to preview free agents in March and uh, and stuff like that. Uh, you know, not to mention the 2021 season really isn't going to be over until we've hired a brand new head coach and a brand new or possibly uh, a general manager or whatever restructuring the Bears uh, are planning on doing 2022 doesn't begin until after that is set in stone and we can go on from there, you know? So the 2021 season continues until we have a new head coach and a new, possibly a new uh, general manager. And uh, then we can move on to 2022 uh, and beyond. So as long as, uh, as long as that's still going on, as long as that's still an issue, we're still dealing with 2021, and we'll be able to move on after that. So anyway, guys, uh, that is going to do it for this preview episode. Come on back tomorrow for the deep dive. We'll do uh, keys to the game. We'll do uh, news uh, and notes, get you ready for Bears and Vikings on Sunday to close out this 2021 season, even though we're uh, nine days into the 2022 calendar year by the time the game uh, takes place and then uh, we'll be back on uh, next Monday with our final bear up bear down episode of the year and then wrap it up next Tuesday with the final deep dive review episode of 2022 before I'm sure or excuse me of 2021 before I'm sure we dust off uh, Lauren Cox and bring him back for the year in review and I'm pretty sure we'll probably wait to do that until after we have a new head coach uh, in tow so a uh, lot still to come before we close the book completely on the 2021 season. And uh, one more show to go before we get to this week 18 football game. So come on back tomorrow for the deep dive preview. And until then, my name is Larry D. And this has been the Bears Talk Underground. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. 
so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. <laughs> 